Welcome to Rooted in the Word, the podcast that takes you on a weekly journey through the book of Psalms, a ministry of Calvary Baptist Church of Walnut, Iowa. My name is Pastor Art, and today we will be beginning our long series through the book of Psalms. I'm looking forward to taking this journey with you, and I'm glad you're along to study God's Word with me. Uh, First of all, since this is the first episode, let me tell you a little bit more about this podcast and about who I am. I've been a pastor in Walnut since the middle of 2012, and lately I've been feeling burdened to engage in a ministry that will not only be an encouragement to our church members, but also something that we can use to branch out into our community. And because of the nature of podcasts being online, we have the opportunity to reach out into the whole world. So whether you are a church member of our church or some other church, or maybe you've never even been to church, I hope that these biblical reflections will refresh you and encourage you to follow God and to know God more. Before we get too much farther into today's episode, I also want to point you to a couple of uh, websites. Be sure to follow us on Facebook. You can look for either Rooted in the Word podcast or the um, Calvary Baptist Church of Walnut, Iowa Facebook page. I'll make sure to link those Um, in the show notes. In addition to this podcast on the Facebook page, I will be posting a weekly uh, devotional thought, kind of a a picture and a Bible verse, and and just a very small, like daily bread-sized devotional thought that I've been enjoying writing. Uh, So you can find us there at Facebook at uh, facebook.com backslash Calvary Baptist Walnut. And uh, we're also on YouTube And if you would like just to go to our church website, all that information is there at cbcwalnut.com. And you can find out more about us and what we believe. And if you are in our area and you're looking for a church to call home, I invite you to come and worship with us this Sunday. Services begin at 930 with Sunday school, followed by our morning worship at 1030. And we do have an evening service that begins at 6 p.m. And I hope to see you there. I have a great love for the Word of God. What we do and what all of the ministries that we engage in here at our church are are founded in Scripture with Christ and the Gospel being the cornerstone of all that we do. You might wonder, why, why go through the Psalms? There's many books in Scripture, and the joy of Scripture is that every single book is, I believe, relevant in some way for our world today, for the things that we're going through the things that our society is facing, God's word has the answers for us. But particularly, the Psalms are a book that I have spent many, many hours pouring over and studying and praying and, yeah, crying over. I find this book such a spiritual refreshment. It contains the prayers and cries of many who face trying and difficult situations. It records the praises of those who have seen God be faithful in their lives and carry them through the darkest days of their lives. And this is something that we've all experienced at some time or another. So my invitation to you is to grab your Bible, open it up, and let's dive into God's Word together. So today, as we begin our walk through this marvelous book, Let me tell you about how God has used Psalm 1 in my life. When I was a kid, I went to a church 
And for a while I was going, attending a Christian school. And it was either at the church or the school, they challenged the kids to memorize uh, Psalm 1. It's not very long. It's six verses long. And so I decided I, I wanted to do this. And so I worked really hard on trying to memorize it and I managed to do it. But then, you know, it just kind of rattled around in my brain. It was something I would do kind of like a party trick, you know, um, where if I wanted to show off, I could say, I've got the entire Psalm 1 memorized and can impress my friends with, with that ability. Life being what it is, I spent some years as a teenager running from God. A lot of bad stuff happened in my life to my parents, to my family, and I was very angry at God. But as a teenager, probably around the age of 15 or so, I started going to church again. Uh, my family did, my mom and sister and I did. And this psalm came back to me. I think we were studying it in Sunday school and the things that I had memorized as a kid, God kept bringing back to my mind, you know, about who the blessed man is and how he walks and conducts himself and what he can be like, like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And God used that psalm that I had memorized years ago to help me realize that I did not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I was not trusting him to save me. So I gave my life to Jesus. Unfortunately, it still took me a couple of weeks to wrestle with God and to try to put my own agenda on God's plans, but God broke me and I put my trust in Christ alone to save me from my sin. And this speaks to the power of God's word. It truly is not powerless. Even if it takes 10 years of rattling around in my brain, God's word will be effective. Now, the length of that time it, it took God's word to work in my life speaks more of my stubbornness than of God's lack of effectiveness. But I love that my salvation testimony shows the effectiveness of hiding God's word in your heart. So I'm calling this podcast Rooted in the Word, and I get that name inspired from verses 2 and 3 of Psalm 1, which we'll, we'll get to here in a minute. Let's now quiet our hearts before God, take a moment to pray, and let's see what God's word has for us today. This psalm serves as an introduction to the entire book, and it showcases the two ways that a person can walk. There's the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. So what we'll do today is look at, we'll see the path of the righteous man, we'll see the path of the wicked, and then we'll see every, the results of which each way brings to us. So the first path, the way of the righteous, is found in verses 1 through 3, which read, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. So as we begin, we see first of all that there is some conduct described. The man who walks this way is blessed, that he is, I think, commonly understood to be happy. But I think in some ways that does do a little bit disservice to that word. It's not just that he is happy, but he is blessed. He has God's favor shining upon him so that the result is he has joy. So yes, he's happy but he's happy, not because of his circumstances, but because of his state. God has blessed him. God has shown his favor upon him. 
and that that man is happy. Who does that describe? Well, we get the rest in verse 1. Now watch the, the downward path that sin would pull this person. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. So note some of the words there, walk, stand, sit. There's the, I, I think that's a very deliberate poetic language that the, the writer is conveying, that it's this downward spiral that sin pulls us down. So the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, he is blessed because he's walking, I think we could assume, in the counsel of God. He is taking counsel and wisdom from God, not from those who would stand against God. And speaking of standing, it says, blessed is the man who does not stand in the way of sinners, that you are not associating with those who are without God. Now, God has us in the world. God has us in a world of sin to be witnesses for him. We can't avoid that. I think it's good for us to have relationships of, with people that who need Christ so that we can be that example in their lives. But there's a limit. We can't let their conduct and what they stand for identify what we stand for. It's ungodly. Nor the one who sits in the seat of scoffers, that you have now not only are standing with them, but you're sitting with them now. But the man who does not do these things, he is blessed. God shines his favor upon them and they rejoice. They are happy. That's his conduct. He is not doing what the world does and the world system does. He is following God because look where his passions lie. In verses 2 and 3 are verses that really mean a lot to me personally. It says, but a, a big contrast there, this, this conjunction is showing us the exact opposite now of what the writer has just described. But his delight, whose delight that the blessed man, the blessed man's delight is in not the walk and way and seat of sinners and scoffers and the wicked, but his delight, the blessed man's delight is in the law of the Lord the Torah, which was Israel's book of the law that, that God gave to them. And here, I think it's being used as the teaching, the instruction of God, that the blessed man's delight is not in the way of sinners, but is in, but he delights in the instruction of the Lord. And on the Torah, on the righteous instruction of God, he does what? He meditates day and night. Now, biblical meditation is a wonderful teaching. This is not the kind of meditation you would see today where, you know, they would tell you to, to empty your mind. And meditation here is more of the idea of repeating something over and over and over again so that it becomes ingrained in you. Similar to the way that I memorized Psalm 1 by saying it over and over and over again, God used that in my life, that, that the powerful word of God broke through my my anger, my resentment of God, and he used it in a very powerful way. So the blessed man is one who meditates daily and, dare I say, nightly on the teaching and instruction of the word of God. So his passion is on the word of God. He delights in it. He meditates on it. 
So he finds joy in the law of the Lord. Now, this is probably where some of us really struggle. That is to find that the joy and the delight of the word of God that we think, well, I've got to read the Bible today because I have to, or I've got to go to church today because I have to, things like that. You know, we do it out of obligation rather than out of joy. But don't you find you get so much more out of the word of God when you approach it with joy in your heart, with delight, with with happiness, that you're eager to open God's word to see what he has for you today. It's like opening the pages of a favorite book or watching a favorite movie or, or watching your favorite sports team play. You know, there's there's joy, there's excitement. You cancel plans so you can make that game. Do we have that same level of joy and dedication to the word of God? Because we delight in it, because we love it and we want to meditate on it. And so we can't wait to get up in the morning or can't wait to, to set some time aside during the day to meditate on the pages of the word of God, to chew on it, to feast on it, to root ourselves into the word of God, to draw our spiritual nourishment from the word of God. Scripture says a man who does that or a, a person who does that, a woman who does that, they will be blessed. Not only would they be blessed, but they would be prosperous. They will grow. They will flourish. Because let's look at the righteous person's life. What is his life like in verse 3? He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. So the one who is blessed is vibrant and growing and barren fruit. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. His roots are planted in the word of God, and he has the nourishment he needs. Scripture says that person will be like a tree planted by streams of water. Where I live in Iowa, there's a lot of farm country, a lot of corn, a lot of soybeans. But there's a couple places that have creeks or cricks, depending on where you grew up. Uh, there's a few spots that have some small ponds and lakes and almost everywhere where there's water, that's where the trees are at. You can, there's uh, one river you can follow because you can see all the trees just growing alongside on either, either bank of the river. Uh, same with a the lake. There's a lake I like to go to that is surrounded by trees because that's where the water is. And God's word says that a blessed man who meditates and finds delight in the word of God is like that tree that's planted by that water. It's growing, it's green, it's vibrant, it's bearing fruit. Righteousness grows us up, but look how sin pulls us down in, in verse one and what we'll see in the following verses. Sin pulls us down, but God and his word build us up. God has used these verses in powerful ways in my life um, to encourage me, to correct me, to teach me, to strengthen me. So many of our of the people in our world today are looking for happiness. You know, they're looking for blessing. They might think they might find it in a bottle or in drugs or in some kind of sinful behavior. But God says it's so simple and it's satisfying when we find our joy in the word of God. Do you find your joy in the word of God? Your way can be the way of the righteous. You can live a life that is full and flourishing. 
by putting your roots down into the Word of God. Make the time to be in God's Word. Don't neglect it. Don't turn away from it. Dig into it. Because the only other option is to follow the way of the wicked. Let's look at that. Verses 4 and 5. It says, The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. They are like chaff that the wind drives away. So they are the exact opposite. As the righteous person, they are not like the righteous person. Again, the righteous person is blessed. He's like a tree. He finds his delight in the law of the Lord. He he is prospering. He's yielding fruit in its season. He's growing. He is well nourished. The wicked are like the, the dead husks of wheat that are just blowing away in the wind. They are of no value to anyone. Again, I live in the farm country of Iowa and come harvest time, there's a lot of chaff in the wind. You can see the dust just hanging over everything and you go outside and your eyes can sometimes even just feel grimy because of all the dust in the air. Every year we have to kind of power wash the outside of our house because it collects the dust and dirt from all the farming and and the dirt and the tractors that go through. It does no good to anything. You know, as a farmer, you're not going to go out and say, well, I'm going to go plant some chaff today. You know, I'm going to go plant some useless husks of wheat and hope for the best. Yeah, it's the wicked have no lasting value. Which might seem a little harsh to you and and maybe a little judgmental, but that's what God's word says, that they are not like the righteous. They are dead and they are dried up. And in fact, they have no hope for their future. It says, therefore, verse 5, I want to teach you a saying that I was taught probably in Bible college. I'm sure I remember hearing it in church even when I was a kid. But that when you're studying the Bible and whenever you see the word therefore, see what it's there for. (laughs) Okay. Therefore. Based on what the writer just said, here is a thing now to understand. So because of the way of the righteous and because the wicked are not like that, that they are dried up and that they will just be blown away in the wind because they have no substance, no value. says, therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners, we uh, assume, will not stand in the congregation of the righteous. I think what the writer is saying here is that the wicked has no resurrection hope. The Hebrew word there for stand means to to arise, to, you know, basically to stand up, to be um, kind of the idea of, of arising, that they will not rise in the judgment. They will not rise in the congregation or with the congregation of the righteous. I think the terminology here is one of resurrection and of the future judgment and that at that time the wicked will not be found with the righteous there will be a separation and and, you know that's a truth of god's word that i know many have a hard time believing in today that this idea of god's judgment and of hell but scripture teaches that hell is a very very real place and it is only by the grace of god through his son jesus christ that we have been spared. 
from that penalty. If you have accepted Christ as your Savior, you are and are able to be one of the righteous ones because of what Christ has changed in you. But the wicked, they have no hope. They are spiritually dead, and maybe to not put too fine a point on it, their life has no eternal purpose. So, what are the results of these two ways? I see that in verse 6. Well, we've seen the results scattered throughout this psalm, really. The one who walks the way of the righteous, he is blessed. He finds delight in the word of God. He meditates on the word of God. He's flourishing like a tree by the rivers of water. He's prosperous. He has eternal purpose. But the wicked are the exact opposite. Verse 6 says, The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. They will come to a dead end. After living a life that God describes as being dead and dried up, the Lord knows the way of the righteous, that if you choose the path of righteousness, God will be closely associated with you. He will know your way. He will lead you on your way. He will help you grow the fruit in your life. He will help you flourish. But the wicked will not survive. The wicked will not have any hope or any joy in this life or the next. They will face judgment and their way will come to an end. But one path leads to eternal life. So I want you to take a moment to examine your life, if you would. Does your life feel spiritually dead? Do you feel like your life has been pointless? That there's no satisfying meaning to it? And it could be that you're a child of God and you feel that same way. Or it could be that you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ and you feel that way. I want you to know that the righteous man will be blessed not because he follows the path of the world, but because he follows God. He follows his word. And we have a chance to become righteous. How do we do that? Titus 3.5 tells us that he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. That we are saved, that we are regenerated by God, not because of good things that we do, but he cleanses us and transforms us to be able to be good and to do good. A verse I quote a lot in our church, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, and I always like to add verse 10 to it. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So God's purpose in saving us is to make us righteous, to make us good, and to be able to do good. And that's God's plan for us. And then once we're saved, we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ. We are able to live that life of the righteous man described in Psalm 1. And we do that by placing our faith and faith alone on Jesus Christ. He is our Savior. So will you turn to him today? In Christian, I'm not speaking just to the ungodly. There are times in our life, in our Christian walk, where we get discouraged, we get tired, we get weary, and it feels like our life is drying up. That's not what God's plan for us is. 
but it happens. You know, if, if you're a Christian and you feel like your life is withering and is dried up, that you feel like the chaff, it might be time to take a few moments to spend with God and, and examine why this is. You know, ask yourself these questions. Do I have joy because of what God has done for me? Or am I looking for joy in the things of this world? Have I allowed sin to pull me down? Look to build ways in your life that will create delight for the word of God, that will give you opportunity to meditate on the word of God. Take a look at to where you are placing your roots. Are you placing them in the word of God so you can be like that beautiful tree or are you placing it in the things of this world? They will not satisfy. My prayer for you is that this will encourage you turn back to God to fall before him and find genuine godly delight in the pages of his word. This is such a beautiful book full of precious promises to his people. Seek the face of God in his word. He will lift you up. He will plant you like a tree. And you will flourish in your Christian life. That's God's plan for you. Are you living that plan? What a great promise. And what a great life he has in store for us. Not just in this world, but in the next. I want to encourage you again to go to our website, cbcwalnut.com. And there you can find information about how to place your faith in Jesus Christ. You can find the audio of sermons in this podcast posted there as well. I would love to talk to you more if you don't know what it means to be saved. You can email me at rootedinthewordpodcast at gmail.com. And I'd be happy to talk with you more to help you understand this. I want you to know that I am praying for you. Even though I don't know who you are, I've never met you. I don't even know if you're listening right now, but I am praying for you and that God will use his word in this psalm in your life just as he is using it in mine. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, share it on your social media. That will be a big help to us in getting the message of God into the whole world. I'll be back next week. Each episode will come out every Wednesday. We're going to be studying Psalm 2, another shorter psalm. I like this one too. It has some interesting words for us in our world today, as God's word always does. God bless you all today. Thank you for listening. I hope that you find your joy in the Lord. Take care.